in a few days we're going to be celebrating Valentine's Day. We're uh, going to gather and have a good time in the Lord. Amen. Um, Maria, that girl just never ceases to amaze me. All the plans and details. Man, enchilada casserole. All right. <laughs> I'm looking forward to that. But yeah, we'll, we'll, we're going to have some fun and we'll see how all that goes. And But Valentine's Day. How many know the story of Valentine's Day? Not many, I take it. So I'm going to tell you guys the, the real story of Valentine's Day real quick. Valentine's Day wasn't always about hearts and, and, and Cupid. Amen. Long ago, it was a pagan festival called Lupercalia, which was before Christianity. And unlike Valentine's today, back then it was a, a raucous celebration filled with debauchery, blood, and sacrifice. For example, it was tradition for the hide of a sacrificed goat to be cut into strips and dipped in blood. Then the priests would go around slapping the women with the strips. The practice was supposedly welcomed as it, it was believed to make the women more fertile in the coming year. You whacked out people. So you still had the red association, the blood, with the holiday, but it wasn't like it is today. And according to uh, one historic place, there was a Emperor Claudius II of Rome. He executed two different men named Valentine on February 14th in two different years during the third century. One account of St. Valentine's Day, wait, one account of St. Valentine says that he was a priest who was arrested for defying a Roman decree that forbade soldiers from marrying. He was executed for the crime of continuing to wed lovers in secret. Here were some soldiers with their women. And, and it, because they were soldiers, they're going to go to battle. They couldn't get married. Because if you were married, you didn't have to go to war. So, but the priest would go ahead and marry them, but in secret. So, you know, the Rome, the emperor found out, executed him, you know. Another story contends that it was all to do with the imprisoned priest, with a, with another imprisoned priest who fell in love with one of his visitors, began writing letters to her. The priest supposedly sent the woman a letter before his execution and signed it off from your Valentine. Both of these stories have romantic understories and can cannot be officially verified. All we can say is that Saint Valentine's Day was named for a martyred. St. Valentine. So later in the mid-18th century, it was a common place for friends and lovers to exchange small tokens and notes on Valentine's Day. And in the 19th century, in the Industrial Revolution, Hallmark cards in 1913 began mass-producing Valentine's Day cards. And the world has not the same since. Valentine's Day, love. 
I, you know what? I've, I've shared on the five love languages. I've shared on the love chapter. I went over the crazy cycle. I went over the, the wedding vows. I said, what can I do now, Lord? And I'm going to give you guys a little spiritual spanking because I'm going to share love busters. You know, what, what's a love buster? And he guesses something that messes up love. Let's go to James 3. James 3, verse 3. How many of you guys remember the love languages? Can anybody say the five love languages? Does anyone remember that teaching? Acts of service. Physical touch. Gifts. Words of affirmation. Very good. And meaningful communication. Ouch. I better go ahead and go through it. If you're married, if you're with your partner, and you know what your your partner's love language is, and you're not giving that to them, their love tank is going down. Come on, somebody. If you know what, if I know what Maria is lovely, and I do, and I don't give her some of that love, I'm going to have a sore Maria sometimes. She's not going to be very loving and kind, <laughs> and vice versa. The, the love tank, we all have a love tank. And if, and if, if nothing's being poured into it, we, we run on empty, and, and that's not good. Then you wonder why your relationship is all whacked out, well, because you're not getting your love language, and, and men, and men and women are different. For church, we thought, oh man, I hug her all the time, I'm all affectionate with her. That's not her love language. You know, so get away from me. Show me that you love me. You know, now, oh, oh. So that, you know, there's, there's, there's battles. There's, most men want words of affirmation. Tell me I'm doing a good job. Physical touch, come on, somebody. And for women, they want meaningful communication. They want acts of service. You know, honeydew list. So see, so if you're not filling your partner's love tank, that's why things are the way they are, somebody. You need to believe in that. Because, I mean, there's, how many of you guys believe some of that is true? Or all of that is true? And then the crazy cycle, who remembers that? Do you know what the crazy cycle is? The crazy cycle is a man wants to be respected, a woman wants to feel loved. Now, if a man doesn't feel respected, he reacts with no love. And if a woman don't feel love, she acts with disrespect. My gosh, it can get loud in the house when that happens. That's straight up. That's the crazy cycle because, why is it called the crazy cycle? Because unless somebody steps out of it, it just keeps going. She's going off with her mouth. You know, I'm out of here. And what does that show her? That I don't love her until someone becomes the better person. And man. Settle down. Let's work this out. Let's talk. What what can I do to make things better? It just takes somebody to step out and, and make that right. Oh, you got two prideful people just. 
But somebody's got to step out and be the bigger Christian, bring in God and say, let's stop arguing. Let's just let's try to work this out. What's going on? But the crazy cycle don't stop like that. The crazy cycle just goes on and on and on and on. And that's when bad things happen. I've shared the love chapter. I'll tell you what, the first time I read the love chapter, I was like, wow. One of the biggest ones that stood out for me was that it leaves no record of wrongs. That's love. When we don't bring up the past. And 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 don't get me wrong, I understand when someone's messed up very badly, then there's some feelings that, that gotta go through some healing. I understand that. But let's go, let's go to uh James 3 3 says, When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by how? All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's image. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. So the tongue. This is a love buster. The mouth is a powerful thing that God has given us. Proverbs 18.21 says, The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Another way of saying that is we'll eat what it produces. So why not bring life, somebody? Man, listen up. Gracious words will build your relationship. Compliments will give your spouse confidence. Affectionate words will create security in your home and marriage. Kindness will let your spouse know they are loved. Be soft with your words and you will cult cultivate an atmosphere of peace. If there's, if there's no peace in the house, it might be because there's lacking kind words and love. Love affectionate words and kindness in the home. We can't expect our house to be peaceful when, when we're not. So I'm saying the tongue, 
our mouth is a world of evil, it said. I didn't say it. The Bible said it. It's a, it's a, it has the power to bring life and the power to bring death. It's, it's a love buster. It can be a love buster. Words hurt. Words hurt. And unfortunately, words are hard, hard to forget. Words are hard to forget. But like you said, gracious words will build your relationship. Being grateful of your, of your partner builds your relationship. We can't always be looking at the bad of those around us. You reap what you sow. So if you want to reap happiness, be happy. If you want to reap peace, be peaceful. If you want to reap a good atmosphere, make the atmosphere good. Like 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 that uh, scripture I read. Um, you'll eat the fruit of it. You know what it produces. The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat what it produces. You know, so why not produce life, somebody, right? See, so what breaks peace? Complaining. Complaining is a poison to your marriage. Few things destroy intimacy as constant complaining. The work of the Holy Spirit is to create fellowship, and complaining or nagging is like a taking a, higher, a fire hose to the flames of the Spirit. Now, I'm not talking just women, somebody. Does your partner come home like this to the door? My, my, alt, my pulpit is the door. Do they come like this? It's because they don't know what they're walking into when they open that door. That's not good. Our homes should be the safe place. Our homes should be the place where we want to go. I mean, I've said before, when I get off work, I want to go home. I want to go home and see my family. I want to. I want to. I want to kick my boots off and sit on my couch. And 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 Maria and Vasila are there. And that, I mean, I want my home is where. My home is my castle. Uh, it's peaceful there. And, and, and it's peaceful. Why? Because me and Maria work at that. We work to keep it peaceful. Not always peaceful. You know, I'm not saying we're, we're up there. But we work. She, she does what she asks you to respect me. And I certainly do my part to, to fill her love tank. But complaining blinds us from seeing God's blessings in our life. Constant complaining blinds us from the good things. Complaining strikes at the heart of God. Woo! What do you mean by that? Let me tell you what I mean. Let's go to Numbers. Numbers 11, verse 1. Complaining strikes at the heart of God. The Bible says, now the people complained 
about their hardships in the hearing of the Lord. And when he heard them, his anger was aroused. Then fire from the Lord burned among them and consumed some of the outskirts of the camp. My gosh. Hearing his, his people complain, that got him mad. Complaining makes you incapable of seeing the good that your partner does. If you fast complaining, remember we did a fast. Well, he's saying, if you fast complaining out of your heart and soul, you will have gratefulness. That's crazy. Fast complaining. You know, we're thinking fast food, fast, uh, fast uh, cussing, fast uh, TV. But he says fast complaining. Out of the out of your heart and soul, and then you'll you'll have gratefulness. That's big. Another peace breaker is sarcasm. Uh oh. Sarcasm. Listen up. Sarcasm comes from a Greek word, sarcasian, meaning to rip the flesh apart like a dog. That's where sarcasm comes from. You guys know what sarcasm is, right? Being a smart aleck with, with your partner, you know, cutting them down. That's, that's, that's bad. That's bad for your relationship. Straight up. Straight up. I mean, you want to get disrespected, man. Be sarcastic with your lady. <laughs> you know, you get ripped up like a like a flesh of a, on a dog, and vice versa, you know. You women, don't, don't get sarcastic. You know, that, that's, uh, you want to quiet your man up? Be sarcastic with them. Woo! Sarcasm. Be sarcastic and be happy with the fruit of it, somebody. Because this is what it produces. It produces broken spirits, Quietness and strife in a relationship. Sarcasm. Sarcasm is 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 cutting cutting beli- below the line, below the the about line. You know what I mean? There's playing, but sarcastic being sarcastic is a low blow. You know, being sarcastic is is hurting that person, saying something right. Matthew 15, 15, 17. The Bible says, Don't you see whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and then out of the body? Ooh, gassy. <laughs> but the things that come out of a person's mouth come from the heart, and these defile them. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. These are what defile a person. But eating with unwashed hand does not defile them. Remember, the Bible said that the mouth is a, is a poison. It's a, a an evil. And when when we're uh, when we're sarcastic and we're cutting. That, that's what makes us dirty. Our heart. That's what I'm trying to say. We cut 
we cut down people and stuff because a rotten heart. If you're living for Christ, you shouldn't be out there a smart like no more. You know, throwing the low blows and, and little little jabs. Come on, somebody. If you're a Christian, you shouldn't be throwing jabs to your brother or sister in church. You know, to your pastor. Come on, somebody. You know, the low blows, that, that's because your heart is jacked up. That's why you, you shoot shots like that. It's not a place for it. This is, you know, you got, don't tell me you got Jesus in you and you're out there cutting, cutting people down. Oh, should be no place for it. Another love buster is, is criticism. Criticism. Critical words are destructive too. They form in the swap land of the soul. Building walls, the spirit of fellowship can't break. What is that? What picture did you guys get from that? Criticism comes from the swampland of the soul from deep down and, and it builds a wall around your heart. So what happens? You've got a hard heart now because your partner's always criticizing, always criticizing, always critical of you and stuff. Now now you're, you're walled up, man. They want to talk with you and stuff and you're like, they already got like a wall around already. You know? And you're like, I don't want to talk to you. What are you gonna do now? Shoot me down more? You know what? What you gonna be critical? You know what I mean? That that's how walled up you get from being criticized all the time. It's a it's a poison and a destructive um, love buster, right? Is that true? I, I've seen critical critical spirits, man, and it and it also has no place for us as Christians. We should be uh, compassionate and loving. We have to look past the bad of people. As a Christian, you know, I'm always looking to give mercy. Hey, give mercy, mercy and grace, mercy and grace. I say that because God never gave up on me. God never gave up on me. So how can I be judgmental about you know a person you know, that's off the rocker? I'm like, hey, he's got the same opportunity to come to Christ like I did. You know, they, they, we don't have no place for it. Unity in marriage is based on confidence, and criticism breaks that confidence. Judging others. Let's go to Matthew 7. Judging others. Jesus says this about it. Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the big old plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there is this plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye. Then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. A big old log jammer in your eye, and you're you're critic you're critical about this person's little maybe they maybe they got uh, a foul mouth, but here you are with all this judgmental spirit and critical spirit and and cutting them down, and you don't want to so you know yeah real nice Christian brother, you know you you know look look at the big old log in your own eye, 
and before you can say anything about their, you know, their foul mouth. God, God could change that foul mouth, you know, but you, you better take care of your critical spirit, man. You know, quit judging like that. It's not right. It's not right. He says, um, don't judge or it will be poured back on you by, by your own standard. So if I judge, if I judge somebody pretty hard, say, man, that brother, you know, thinks he's doing all this for God and this and that, you know, God's going to judge me on, on all that I'm doing for him. You know, I better be doing a heck of a lot of stuff for me to judge somebody else, you know, because God's going to measure it all same back on me, you know, so that's why he says, don't judge, because you're nobody to judge. You're, we're not qualified to judge. Only God is qualified to judge. People think that the way to make themselves more righteous is to be judge, more judgmental on others. We don't have the right to judge. Those are love busters. 